what do you think about when you hear the words serial entrepreneur do you imagine startup founder raising money growing fast and then making an exit and then doing it all over again but what if i told you that people do this with bootstrapped ventures as well perhaps even more often than with startups today we are talking to darpan seth founder of nextuple which is his second business after a successful exit with his first one we are going to understand from him his learnings from the first exit and how he is approaching business this time round so stay tuned but before we begin a couple of quick reminders if you like this episode please do rate it 5 stars and please follow the show so you don't miss out on any of the great guests that we have coming up and if you need a recap of the episode feel free to head over to crazytalk.online to read the full transcript so darpan thank you so much for joining us today before we start would you like to introduce yourself and maybe tell us a little bit about your business sure thank you amit for having me a little bit about me i'm a second time entrepreneur in the omni channel for women space my first company was a professional services firm in the same space that company was bootstrap and then acquired by the publicis sapient group in 2015 late 2017 is when we started nextupo and we are on a mission to unleash the power of fulfillment networks in particular stores to help our customers get faster fulfillment lower costs and also send fewer packages out to customers i'd say that given the pandemic we couldn't have picked a better time <laughs> yeah you're not kidding man this is the time for logistics indeed that's pretty much it i mean we're four years in the making and uh, growing 100% year on year We've got some fantastic customers and a team that i'm super proud about uh, really looking forward to the next phase of our journey has in store for us yeah so first of all congratulations on your prior exit and also on 100% growth year on year is is impressive and that also for a mostly bootstrapped business so maybe help us understand how does one get started or how did you get started in this business in the logistics space yeah sure so i started off in the supply chain execution space way back in late 2000 joined a company called yantra and that company pioneered a set of applications called order management and it has since become the de facto standard in the industry called distributed order management and really helping initially dot com businesses in helping fulfill their orders and then subsequently retailers started adopting order management systems in order to you know really service their customers with inventory that they had placed across the country so myself and my team members we became well versed in the technologies and the business processes around order fulfillment and so we've sort of stayed in the same space when i first started out i almost fell into entrepreneurship by default I was in a startup that didn't do as well and found myself without a job and that's when I decided to start off alone. Okay so you have that kind of origin story which is essentially almost being pushed into entrepreneurship or forced into it. So how did you get your first few clients like when you decided to start out on your own I'm sure it must have been an uncertain feeling at that time at least the first time round for sure. So how did you feel how did you get your first few clients? Well, it was definitely nerve-wracking on it. It's very uh, challenging to find yourself without a job. You start to question your own abilities. 
but then I sort of drew back into who I was and I always wanted to do something of my own. And when this opportunity sort of presented itself to say, hey, you can go out there and look for another job or maybe start off on your own, I said, why not, right? I actually had spent some time in a startup. So I saw that it wasn't that hard to do what was needed to be done. And all I really needed was one customer. So I called my previous client and happened to be the market. Do you have a contacting gig for me? I'd love to take something on and said for sure. And that's how I got started. Right. So I love how you describe a forced departure as an opportunity, but indeed it is because you have the choice at that time as to what you want to do. And I've heard this before from others as well, where their first, how they got started into entrepreneurship was through a service or a consulting opportunity and usually with some network that they have built in the past. So this seems like a pretty good formula actually for starting on the path, irrespective of where you end up eventually. So from that one client onwards, how did you grow that business or even now with Nextuple, how do you get your first few clients going from just one? I think the, the number one thing is when you get a customer, and you make a promise to them, you've got to deliver on it, right? And so I firmly believe in setting low expectations and then exceeding them. And when you do that consistently over time, it's not very difficult to find follow-on work. And that's sort of the formula that I've applied in my career, uh, which is do the best you can for the customer, make them look good, add value to their business. And if you do that at a price point that they don't mind paying, there's always more work to be done. So since you mentioned price, especially for consulting, but even for a business which is trying to price its offering, how should one think about pricing on the in the early stages when you don't have credibility, you don't have a case studies or testimonials or anything? I think that's where knowing the space that you're getting into is important, right? So if you're starting something brand new, with no idea of what the pricing should be, then you're right. It's going to be rather challenging to figure out how you price it, or is there even value in what you're doing, right? And so there are times when you go to a customer with a new product or a new service, and you've got to be willing to give it away for free if you have to, to get the trial, right? And once you have the trial, then you try to say, okay, how much value did I deliver from it? And therefore figuring out a price point that the next customer might be willing to pay, right? So it's really a little bit experimentation that can help you figure out what's fair value. And then obviously there's competitive intelligence, right? Is, is there somebody else out there that's offering something similar and how much are they offering for, right? If you can collect that information, then you can use that to inform how you'd like to price your offering. Okay. And then you said that you grew the business, you offered the best possible service that you could to one customer and then you grew the business from there. So was that through referrals? All through referrals. In fact, my previous business, we had no sales team. In fact, even in Nextuple, in our current business, we do not have anybody in a, in a sales and marketing role today. Wow, okay. <laughs> I did not expect to hear that about any business. But that's impressive. I mean, if you can create virality, which is effectively what you're doing around a B2B business, that is insane. So. How does one get this kind of referral or create this level of virality? I think the underlying premise is building trust. When you work with customers, when you work with partners, when you work with employees, how do you create a genuine interaction? 
where you are interested in providing that value to each stakeholder that you sort of run into. In the service industry, they call it the moment of truth, right? And so you're forever on stage with each interaction that you have. If you try and do the right thing by the customer, by, the, by your people, by your partners, then I think that that virtue cycle sort of helps you build on one thing after the other and allows you to build some scale and momentum as you go. Right. So goes back to building, giving the best possible service and creating value to the customer. Do you also sort of help that process along? Because people will not naturally, I guess, refer you to other people, especially because I'm assuming you work in the retail industry. So I guess retailers compete with each other in, in that sense. So how do you encourage them or how do you facilitate this whole virality? Some of this is matter of time as well, Amit, right? What I've found in my career is that when you spend 20 years in one industry, you worked with a few customers to begin with. In those 20 years, those 20 customers or 20 people that you worked with have grown within their organizations and they have moved around, right? So if you have spent time building that trust and relationships, when they move around, they take you with them. So it's not necessarily just, hey, I call someone and say, please give me a referral and that's how I get my business. It's just by virtue of time spent in the space, in the industry, cultivating your expertise, cultivating your network, right? And then naturally those people have risen in the ranks over the years and gotten into more decision-making roles. And so what I find now, I'm benefiting from a lot of the hard work that I put in with my previous venture because the folks that I worked with back then are now senior executives in many of the clients that we work with now and are willing to take that chance with us a lot easier than with someone that they just didn't know anything about. Right, okay. I guess this is why maybe people say second time entrepreneurs or second time entrepreneurship is easier. And has that been your experience as well? It certainly has been. I think it's a trade-off, right? First time around, you are hungrier. You probably are younger and therefore you have a lot of drive and energy and desperation, if you may, right? So I think those things work really well if you want to be an entrepreneur, right? The second time around, many of those things may not be at that same level and therefore that's a disadvantage getting into, do you want to start back at base camp, right? Or do you have the motivation or are you just doing it by because a lot of people consider it sexy to do a second venture? Right? And many people actually fail at second and third ventures because they might get complacent, they might not come up with a relevant offering for the times, um, right? They might not be hungry enough, right? For all of those reasons. So I think in many ways it's easier because you don't make the same mistakes, hopefully not. And in other ways it is harder because the expectations of people around you are also higher. Okay, tell me a little bit about, I think you had mentioned earlier to me before we started the recording that your first business actually ended up in a successful exit. And it's not often that you learn from people who have exited a bootstrap business. So tell me a little bit about how that experience was. Why did you choose to exit versus growing the business? And then what happened subsequently post that? Sure. So with the previous business, like I said, we had very little in terms of resources to start with, right? And so everything was things that we had scavenged along the way. Really built it up in bits and pieces, one client at a time, one new team member at a time. There was a lot of perspiration that went into creating the, the asset, if you may, right? So we didn't have the capital resources and therefore 
we had to complement that with a lot of hard work one and second i think we worked very hard to create a culture of inclusiveness and bonding in the team right because we couldn't offer big paychecks to people and therefore we had to do something different in order to keep them around with us and make them feel happier and engaged and so what we couldn't solve for with money we substituted with love for the team members and it was challenging to build up a company like that over time what happened was as we grew in scale we started encountering more competition from the bigger guys and they had a wider range of offerings they had more significant relationships with executives in the clients that we were working with um they came in saying they could do it all uh, whereas where we specialize in a certain niche so it was becoming harder to compete with the bigger guys and therefore we started to question ourselves in terms of what do we need to do to get to the next level and the answer for that was we needed more investment in newer areas newer newer service areas which meant we had to substantially grow our teams uh, in order to be able to take on things that we were we hadn't been doing so far it was also in an area where we did not have as much expertise and so there came a point where we simply had to make a choice like do we continue to be a small business and turn it into a lifestyle business or do we want to continue growing and maybe augment and get become a part of a bigger crew where those things naturally exist right so the complementary services offering skill sets are already part of the new setup and you basically have a path to continue to thrive in a different environment and so the latter is what we took as one a way to bank the value of what we had created for ourselves and for our team members and second really to find a good home for the business to continue to grow in right so essentially the reason you exited is because the business had hit some sort of a step and then you had to take a very big step to continue to compete with the next tranche of uh, of competitors and it didn't seem like that was something that you all could afford or manage or it was just too much at the time so instead you just took the value that had been created which which makes sense and maybe this is a lesson also for those who are listening to this which is if you are bootstrapping you can grow up to a point but then after that there will be a step change a moment of decision and potentially there'll be another step change again maybe a few years down the road and that's how you just keep going i think being able to make those transitions uh, across those inflection points if you may is what determines success or failure and really depends uh, to me it boiled down to one thing really which was access to capital because if you have the capital then you can make that inflection point happen you have the ability to invest in those newer capabilities you know newer practices or newer products if you may that allow you to get to that next stage but if you don't have that access to capital then it becomes other challenging to navigate that crevasse okay understood so okay so this was about prior business and then you naturally flowed into nextuple which is what you're running right now so with nextuple because it's a operations heavy product heavy kind of business is this something that you were also able to start small like or did you have to actually build out a lot of infrastructure before you got going we actually started very small right so it was just myself and one of my co-founders lakshman we came out of the previous entity and we just got started pretty much the same way that we started and i had started my previous business which was consulting with a client and that's how we got started okay 
so this business also began with consulting which is that's pretty cool it did and it still continues to be a big part of what we do today okay so i think this makes sense for a lot of starting entrepreneurs which is to see whether you can begin with a service and then even if you have a product vision like sort of morph it on the way because that i suppose reduces the risk of what you're trying to achieve so different people will tell you that that's not a good strategy so the purists will tell you that decide up front whether you're building a services business or a product business and do one because it's very rare for services business to actually be able to transform and build products successfully the reason being that services businesses are really your kpis on success are all about utilization bill rates uh, all of that stuff right so investment as a kpi pound upon right because that is bench time and then but but you can't build a product that way because you can't build product on your free time right because then that start then you're not being true to your product strategy and that's why a lot of services companies actually fail miserably at building product so now is we have to make a conscious choice to have that investment be a part of our philosophy and really earmark the resources needed to be able to build product because we we knew coming in that building product is not something that you can do in a day or two so you already knew that you were going to be a product business service was just a way to get kind of ease yourself into it but you would have to do a transformation in thinking because you were always going to be a product business if i can sum it up i would say the way we operate is different from a pure product company and a pure service company in the sense that our philosophy is use services to learn and use products to earn that's a really good insight also a very good quotable quote by the way darpan you should use that in various places i'll tell you this this is not my own it's from another successful entrepreneur that i've had the good fortune of having as an advisor over the years he's built many many companies and exited them and when i met him one of the times this is what he shared with me in terms of wisdom and it's sort of stuck with me yeah it's a really good way of thinking actually and makes a lot of sense so darpan you've run two businesses one you've successfully exited so anybody would consider that like a massive win and the second one also you've been running for four years growing so fast so all this sounds like a fairy tale at least for someone like me who had one failed business and is now trying to do something useful with the second one so did you have challenges on the way or what were some of the issues that you had to overcome to make all of this success actually happen that's a great question amit no business is without its challenges i think you've run yeah like you said you run your own business and you ran into your own set of challenges what i feel is that every startup sort of runs into its own unique set of challenges i think one of the most common problems that people run into is issues between the founders because it's a hard thing you're trying to accomplish in the first place right you're trying to create a business where none existed before and therefore it's a little bit like marriage it's a lot of work takes trust it takes both partners sort of pulling their weight and doing it consistently over many 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 years for a marriage to work and startup where there is more than one person involved as the founding team that becomes crucial right because you could have disagreements over vision strategy execution money direction pricing you can have disagreements about pretty much anything to do with the business right it's how you navigate those differences how you can agree to disagree in many instances and i think 
above all how you can continue to keep that trust and build upon it because sometimes you might be separated by time or distance or geography right if you have co-founders in different geographies for example it becomes even more difficult to to stay on the same page and that was one of the issues i ran into in my previous business where there was a falling apart between founders and it came to a point where the business almost shut down and it would have really impacted pretty much the entire team and so it was incredibly challenging to sort of overcome that right to take your marriage analogy further you were trying to run a long distance relationship <laughs> which is definitely harder exactly right and i think that's what we took away from the previous business was not just the lessons learned in terms of how do you identify and run a business how do you serve customers how do you build a team but really about being comfortable around a group of people that you know you can just rely on right it's like having fought one war together right the next time round you go to war and you have the same people watching your back you go in with a lot more confidence right yeah that's true actually and time zones and stuff don't make things at all easier so one thing that people should watch out for is finding the right founder and then investing the time to make that relationship work uh, so that you're both essentially moving towards the same direction and so on and you have trust and i think what you mentioned to me earlier was it becomes again like in the in the theme of second time founder having it easier because you're working with many of the same people you have that relationship already built out i think in a high growth business amit every 3 to 6 months you end up becoming a different company altogether so recognizing that change and understanding what you need to do different at each of those points right so one is that you might after a few years you hit an inflection point right which is a major change in strategy direction execution but along the way there are so many little turns and pitfalls and things that can go wrong that you have to work very hard at making sure that you keep your eye on the the prize or the vision but at the same time take care of the day to day right and make sure that you don't fall into a pit fracture a limb and basically keep notching up your wins get at least one win a week right i call that the win of the week or the wow factor and if you have a lot of wow factors and you keep doing that week after week after week then at the end of 52 weeks that's 52 wins that you did not have the previous year it just adds on and if there is 52 of you notching up those 52 wins week on week then that's when you build the scale and the momentum with the team right so the more of you that are notching up those wins it it basically compounds very very rapidly so growing 100% year on year is not hard at all if you have the right team and each of them is getting you those wins okay yeah that makes sense so i think the the founder and the team this is a good lesson what else what are some of the other things other challenges that you've learned from so in a, in the context of a business it could be a new prospect that you identified it could be a partner conversation you had that turned into a meaningful relationship it could be a new team member that you hired it could be a certain expense that you were able to reduce so if you watch the pennies the dollars take care of themselves i think every entrepreneur that you talk to i'm i'm sure yourself too it's like finding method to the madness and we have our own way of finding that method so each what i found is if you talk to pretty much you talk to many entrepreneurs right i'm sure they'll give you similar sounding things but vastly different based on their personal experiences 
Darpan, this is a really tangible way of looking at it because the quote that one often hears is get 1% better every week and that will compound over 52 weeks and you'll be whatever some so many x better than you were at the start. But 1% better is very <laughs> difficult to tell what that is. But one win a week, yes, certainly everybody can recognize what a win is. That's true. I think uh, also understanding what each of us is good at. So it's like being an athlete, but recognizing what sport you want to play. It's vastly different, right? And someone might be great at running marathons. Somebody else might be great at decathlon. And the two athletes can't really compete in the same sport, right? So understanding which sport you're meant for and then adapting to that, I think, makes all the difference, right? So as an entrepreneur, being able to recognize the external signs and saying this opportunity is right for me and that other one is not. Wow, you're full of quotes, Darpan. <laughs> These are good. That's right. There's so many good, we come from India, right, Amit? And I'm sure you can relate to this, that they say that Gujus or people from Gujarat are really good at business. But the same thing can be said for people from Punjab, for example. But when you compare the styles of the two running their businesses, it'll be vastly different. Good business for either of them. Their styles are completely contrasting and, but it works. It really works for each set of those individuals. That's true. I mean, there's a common set of themes. It, it is always going to be, there's only a limited set of things that you have to do. But every person and depending on their situation, both in terms of what business they're doing and in terms of their stage of the business, which goes back to your three month, six month point, the tactics become very different and very specific. And which is why I really like having these conversations because the tactics in themselves could fill a book. Like if you just add it all up, it's a really nice set of things that people have figured out without money. I mean, hardly anybody has ever mentioned to me that, oh, you know, I just spent a lot of money on this and it worked out. There are days when I ask myself that, in the sense that what is the true meaning of life? What is my purpose? Is this what I really want to do? I've been through the grind once. Why am I doing it again? And then I look around me and see who I'm doing this with. And I think therein lies the answer, right? That if you spend time with people that you like being around and who got your back, and which also means you've got to have their back, it boils down to the same theme that we were talking about earlier, which is trust, right? Which is, hey, do you enjoy what you do every day? Say 90 days out of 100, you enjoy doing what you do. And 100 out of 100 days, you enjoy doing it with people that you enjoy being around, right? So those 10 days don't matter as much in the longer run. The 10 days where you're feeling low, there'll be somebody that you can talk to and they'll pull you out of your misery. But there's some days when you feel like you just don't want to do it anymore. It happens. But I find that just being around good people and being able to contribute to their lives meaningfully, to me, that drives me a tremendous lot. So while we have the energy, we still want to keep trying to contribute. Yeah, that's right. Essentially, you play the game which you are strongest at. And I guess you will naturally gravitate towards number one, that kind of business. And then your style of doing that business will be in accordance with what you're good at. Because if you don't, and I guess if you do something because it's the flavor of the season, essentially what you're saying is it will eventually not work out. I think we're just getting started, Amit. Four years have gone by in a flash. And really, what we have spent time on is building a solid foundation. We've got a great set of customers that we have built strong, ongoing relationships with, right? And therefore, we are very committed to that. We've also built a fantastic core team of people that have joined us from a lot of different companies, from my previous company, 
IBM, Amazon, Manhattan Associates, I mean, all the good companies in our space, right? So we have assembled an A-class team and we have identified for ourselves a complex set of problems that are just waiting to be solved. And we have also figured out the recipe to solve many of them. From this point on, it's all about execution and uh, really getting our customers to see the value in what we have built and helping them cross the bridge that we have already crossed for ourselves and get them to the other side and get them to really see the value that we can bring to them. So I feel like we have that foundation in place and we just have to make sure that we capitalize on it and bring the, the exponential value that we know exists. So Darpan, we've talked about your business journey, lessons learned, things like that. Now, I mean, given that you've had an exit and frankly, before that also you had a successful career, you're presumably financially comfortable. So what keeps you going? Because is it actually possible for a person to be comfortable and yet kind of hungry in business and really have the drive to keep going? Yeah, I think nobody has taken a concerted effort to really make them competitive or find ways to make them competitive. And what I find is that the answer has been staring us in the face. A lot of these retailers have a lot of stores in all the major metro markets. So if we can crack the nut on how to solve for store fulfillment when it comes to filling online orders and do it in a way where it's efficient, it's scalable, it's faster, than just serving customers out of warehouses, then I think that that would be something phenomenal. Right. So essentially for what you're saying is for you, it's about doing it with people that you like doing this with. And that is what is keeping you going. And the fact that you're obviously doing something and adding some value to the world is the cherry on the cake. But the cake is the relationships and the people you're doing it with. So what's the future that you're seeing for your business? You've been doing this for, I think, maybe about three or four years now and already seeing a lot of success. So, so where do you go from here? I really feel that entrepreneurship is a gift. And there are many people I've run into over the years that have said, hey, you want to run a business of my own. And the most common business that people want to run is starting restaurants. Because it seems accessible. It seems like anybody can run a restaurant. Honestly speaking, the restaurant business is one of the toughest businesses out there to actually make happen seven days a week and day after day. But for aspiring entrepreneurs, I think my advice would be that entrepreneurship is like jumping off a cliff with like a handkerchief. And it's a risk, but it's a risk that an optimist will take. And so rather than constantly deliberating about starting on that path or waiting for that right opportunity, when you can get started, it's not something you can do part-time. So if you want to do entrepreneurship, you got to jump in both feet and try it out for a certain period of time, really give it everything you've got and not have any regrets if it doesn't work. So try it because if you don't try it, you'll never know whether you could have done something with it or not. So that would be my advice. And then the second part is pick the right business for you. There might be great ideas out there about businesses, but are you going to be the right person to set up a business like that and actually run it? So if you can do those two things, I think, you know, most anybody can be an entrepreneur. Right. That goes back to your earlier point about knowing what kind of an athlete you are and playing that game versus some game that seems lucrative, but you're just not suited for. So Darpan, thank you so much. This was really enjoyable conversation and I really appreciate having you here with us on Shop Talk. And for those tuning in for the episode today, thank you for joining us. 
you'll find notes on crazytop.online if you want to brush up some of the stuff that we've discussed here today and also a link to nextuple so that you can see exactly what darpan has been up to and kind of follow the progress of his business and by the way if you're a retailer in the us maybe you want to check them out because i'm pretty sure it's going to enhance your business in this current logistics hungry world so so definitely give it uh, give it a look for everyone else listening do follow us subscribe to us and uh, if you like this episode and i see no reason why you shouldn't have this is been a really enjoyable one please give us a five star rating and that's it for today so darpan thank you so much for joining us we were darpan and amit with shop talk i'll see you next time